to In the LOL with Dr. Sim Taylor. Today we're going to part two of our podcast, Parenting is a Ministry. So what are the goals for your family? What are some of the goals that you set up for your children? Let's talk about it. Do you set goals for your spending? Or do you spend everything from paycheck to paycheck? We don't really focus on the inheritance for our family mission in the Bible. And we don't set things, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have goals. And so that's one of the things I'm doing this year. I'm having a goal. I have no children, but I still want to set aside a savings. I want to set aside an inheritance. Not necessarily if I, if I don't have children, by the way, to be able just to bless other people, to be able to bless those whose lives I touch, to be able to bless children. Because as a minister to your family, even if you're a family of one, you should still have a goal for your family. Because whatever you want them to be, you've got to train them to be there. Okay? Putting action behind the net. Okay? So if you want your, your, your parents, your, 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 your sons, that when they get out of college to be able to take care of themselves, then you've got to teach them those things that's going to allow them to take care of themselves. And, one, and when we get back to finances, one of the things we fail to do, especially as black families, is to teach our children financial responsibility. Do you want your children to tithe? How many of you teach them how to tithe? Mm. Do you want to teach your children to know God? How many of you spend time teaching your children the word of God? Still not a lot of hands. And so the, the, the goal you have set for your family you need to put action behind it. And if you've not set a goal for your family, you need to. Whatever you expect your children to be, you've got to help get them there. And again, you didn't have a, a manual as a, as, a, as a child, as a parent. They don't have a manual on how to get to where you want them to get. How are they going to know unless somebody teaches and trains them? And whose responsibility is it? Amen. And those who, who touch children. And so when they become 16 and, and they're driving, what do they what do they learn? They learn from what they saw you do. So if you don't want them to be the kind of children that cut in front of people and almost have an accident, and if you don't want them to be the kind of children that drive 75 miles an hour on the bypass, and if you don't want them to be the kind of children that run a red light, and I'm saying if you don't want them to be, the kind of children that lie to the police. <laughs> and and to, to go back to some of the things we've already reviewed and talked about, and, and Sister Petty says, every, you know, teachable moment, but we've also talked about having a set time with your family. Having a set time when you go over instructions and rules and regulations and discussions. And as you're setting goals, you not only set large goals for your family, we're going to be a family that leaves an inheritance. We're going to be a family that, that learns the word of God and goes out and evangelizes to other families. Or we're going to be a family that has a large goal for all of us. We're also going to have small goals for all of us. Okay. We, may, we may be the kind of family that fasts for particular needs or issues. How are your children going to learn about fasting and prayer and blessing? All right. So having large goals for your family and teaching them how to get to those goals, but also having, I'll call them just miniature goals or small goals for your 
again, if you want to teach them that, then it's something that you already have to have knowledge about. And you only get that knowledge through God's word. So the, the, the author just reiterates right here that in order to fulfill God's plan, we must establish a strong foundation through intimacy with God. We must abide in the intimate relationship with Christ. And that's going to give us a strong spiritual foundation. And then we share and we teach that to our children. And we're neglecting, when we neglect devotion and time with God, and our, our children see that. They're not going to be the children we want them to be. And they don't see us being the type of people in God that we expect them to be. And we must make God prayer, spending time in the Word, spending time in. And all, I know a lot of you come here for Sunday school, and a lot of you come here to hear the incredible, wonderful messages of Bishop Hutchins. But you can't just spend time here hearing the Word of God and it's got to start in the home. Because in an hour and 30 minutes, sometimes three hours, you can't hear everything. You can't learn everything about that scripture that you need to know and apply to your life. And then maybe if you spend time with that scripture in your home, the point that we want to get to where we, we love and praise God without being prompted will be there. Because we'll be able to shout off the scripture because we've already studied it at home. And so as, as we, we want to be this example, and again, if we go back to Abraham, we look at the life of Abraham and we know that God says, I have chosen him. And I like to, even though it's chosen, I like the way King James says, I know him. Because he has that relationship. And he, he says, I know that he will direct his children, direct his household after me. And he will keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. And, and I, I have that question for you today. Can God say, I know you? Can God say, I can trust you? Can God say, with this life or with, with this ministry that I have given you, how are you going to handle it? With these lives that you touch every day, what do you do? Can he say, I can trust you because I know what you're going to do? Can God trust you with so great a task as being the father of many nations? He's given you tribes, populations, corporations to rule through the children and through the lives of those young people that you touch. How are you handling it? And so as we look at what God expects of us in parenting as a ministry, first of all, you've got to be willing to accept your parenting role. Be willing to accept your parenting role. When God called Abraham, he was faithful and he answered the call. He accepted the things that God had given him. So accept that role that God has for you, whether it's through being a parent or touching the lives of young people. Spend time with God and hear from God so that you can gain perspective on the uniqueness and value of your children. I know a lot of times we... We want to give instruction or give wisdom or, or say this or say that. But we've not asked God what we should say. So often we're so quick sometimes to discipline or say this or say that to our child or to a person, a young person whose lives we touch. And we haven't sought the spirit to say, well, what is the right response? So we've got to seek God on the perspective, on the uniqueness and value of the children. And then commit to learn to obey God's will. And once you do that, that will transform itself. It will transform itself into you giving God's glorification through your life 
you will be transformed because of the things the things you do with those children, with those lives you touch. You'll be transformed. And then you will learn to love and train your children. And so one of the things this author talks about is these three purposes as, as we look at parenting and ministry. And so when we talk about God's glorification, what does that mean? As, as we want to accept this parenting as a ministry, we want to accept this purpose in our life, God's glorification, our transformation, and learning to love and train our children. We talk, we, we ask the question, can God trust you? Also ask the question, when, when God sees you, does he see himself? Because when we, went to, when we said we want to give God the glory, glorify God, not only, that just doesn't mean the praise and the worship. That's a part of it. But when God looks at you, does he see anything that, that even resembles him? Are you giving God glory by your life? Are you reflecting him in the things that you do? If someone asks the children or the people that know you or those lives you touch, if they ask that person or that child, is your parent or is your brother, sister, whoever, are they reflecting Jesus? How would that person or that child answer? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on what day of the week it is, whether they're reflecting God. And so, and, and, and again, reflect on that. That's, a, that's very deep. Are you, are you really reflecting the things that you want those children, those youth, those young persons you touch? If, if you want them to, to reflect God, and how many of them, how many of you want children to, to look like God? How many of you want children to be like God. You do, don't you? When we talk, if we talk about all the things we want children and young people to be like, if we start listing them, that would be the characteristics and the purposes of God. Well, if we want them to be like that, then that's what we have to teach them and train them. How can we teach them and train them again if we are not those things ourselves? The other thing we want to talk about is the transformation. We're not perfect. So when we talk about are we reflecting God, it's a hard question to ask. We're not perfect. But I like the way Paul says it. I press toward the mark for the high calling, as Pastor was talking about earlier. You know, you're setting the standard, and, and you've got to grow toward that standard. When we talk about the transformation, and not being perfect, are we learning from our mistakes? Are we learning for those things that we don't quite do right? Or are we just doing those things, doing them wrong, Sitting all the time and just going on. And never reflecting on how we can grow from our mistakes. Um, I was I was sharing this, I think with Elder Thomas a little, a little bit earlier. Um, when when people tell me things that I do incorrectly, it hurts. It, it's, you know, it's not a good feeling. But what I try to do is reflect on what they said. Does it have value? Does it have merit? Now, sometimes it doesn't have value. Sometimes it doesn't have but still, how can I use what they said to make myself better? Not just to make myself better, but that in making that change, it glorifies God and it pulls people toward Christ. Because that's the purpose, that's the goal. We're not talking about making a transformation just so we can be pompous and be like Reverend Elder Crockett's favorite scripture, Luke 18. The servant in the temple was so pompous and said, I'm so glad I'm not like other men. That, that's not the 
purpose of pressing toward the goal. That's not the purpose of, of trying to, to, to grow in Christ. The purpose is to win souls to Christ. Because what they see in you, they will want. And it's the same thing with those, those lies you touch. Again, as we talked about earlier, what children see in you, that's what they're going to grow towards. So in, in the transformation aspect, are we using those, those, those errors, those things we don't do well to learn from? And so the author asks, how does God use your mistakes, your failures, your irritations, just the bad decisions? Are you reflecting on those and then making changes in your life? For those? I, was, I was sharing with her earlier that uh, in the beginning of this school year, I think someone was telling Deacon James that I didn't speak to the parents. Now, you know, I'm the, I'm the only one there in the morning, the only adult. I see everybody who comes in and comes out. I have no choice but to greet you. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm in another room. I'm there with the children. And so, you know, that's a very hurting thing. What do you mean I don't speak? You can get an attitude about it. Or you can reflect and say, you know, if I were to speak to the parents, that would really increase the relationship. Might even give me time to, to talk to them about what God has done for them. And if I were to speak to them and gain that relationship, when it comes time for me to talk to them about their child, there's already a relationship. And so what I'm saying to you is that do you reflect and, and see how does this, what you might think is a criticism, can be changed into, you know, a great thing for Christ. And the scripture you always quote, what Satan meant for evil, God turned around and meant it for good. And I think a lot of times we fail to take criticism in that way. We fail to think about what great witness we would be if we take criticism and turn it around as a witnessing tool for Christ. And so how do the failures, how do the mistakes, how does the sin transform you and help you to grow in God? And so as we think about that as Christians, what great witness and evangelism tool that is. And to think about that as, as ministering to our families and children, what a wonderful teaching tool it is to train those children to show them, instead of using this criticism as something to make me angry and upset, I'm going to use it and change and transform myself into what God wants me to be. Because that's the purpose in it. And showing them not only by just being the minister, but putting action behind and transforming our lives into what God wants us to be. Talk about our transformation. We'll look at a couple of scriptures. And one of the words he gave in connection with transformation was perfected. To make complete or a process of transformation. Again, when we talk about this, we're not perfect, but it's a process. We're growing towards. Um, I think that's 1 John, actually, 2 and 5. 1 John 2 and 5, I think. But whoever keeps his word, that the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. And the word transformation to change in outward shape or semblance. And a very familiar scripture. And do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's a very important word there, renewing of your mind. We've talked about this several times in preaching and teaching. You know, we're the new man, we're the new creature. And so our, our mind is, is there's, 
do things being put into our minds. And so we're not that mind, the old mind, that says, I'm going to get mad, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to just slap them if they tell me something I don't like. But now our mind is renewed. Is that, is that really what I did? I'm so sorry. How can I make it better? Because I really just want to exemplify what, the, what God has done for me. I'm so happy about Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? Because in order to evangelize, in order to witness, you've got to show them that you're willing to change, to resemble Christ. And then that's what people see. And I tell you another thing, a lot of times if you start growing in Christ and showing people that, they'll stop coming to you with stupid stuff. That one was free. Okay. <laughs> we'll come on. But it's true. You know, and, and you think to yourself, okay, I can respond one of two ways. I can be angry or upset. But if I take the spiritual response, if I take the godly response, not only does it make me a better person, but it really sort of clears the atmosphere around me. People stop coming to you with a lot of stuff. If you start making that a purpose and a goal in your life to grow in Christ, to grow toward God. And stop taking things so personally and out of season and out of whack. But using those things that, that people say to you as a learning tool, as a growing tool in God, pressing toward the mark for the high calling of Christ Jesus. And the last item that the author talks about is using, remember that parenting as a ministry is to love our children. And Sometimes we get so preoccupied with training, providing for, transporting children, we forget about the loving of children. And, and, and so as, as we think about parenting as a ministry, not only as we go back to Abraham, not only did Abraham want to protect his family, but he loved his family. He did the things he did, not, not just because, you know, that's my child, and I guess I got to do but that's my child and I love them. That's my child, it's a gift from God. That's my child and, and, and God says, behold, the children are a gift from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And because God has given me this great gift, but we have this treasure in earth and death. Because God has blessed me with abundance. And just think, you know, as we think about that, we, we are the, the reflection of Christ. Well, so is that child. God has, has given you a gift that encompasses himself. And so it, it's a gift because God has placed his spirit in that child. You, you have to take care of a part of God. You have the responsibility to train up and grow a reflection of God. You have the responsibility, you hold in your hands, when you hold that child, when you hug that child, when you touch that young person's life, you're touching a creation. That was touched by the hand of God. What a great gift. What a great reward. To touch the lives of something that God touched. Because in the womb, God formed it. And in the womb, God put his spirit. And so when God touched it in his womb and then it came out of you, that's the hand of God coming. What a great gift. What a great reward. And so parenting is a ministry. And the greatest part of the ministry is that you hold in your hand the key that's going to bless a creation of God. Amen. Bless the Lord today. Remember, your children are a reflection of God. They have been touched by the hand of God. Until next time, this is Dr. Sim Taylor in the LOL, encouraging you to live in strength, grow in capacity, and work in confidence.